Greetings, everyone, and welcome again to this week's episode of Formula What, where the three of us offer recap, analysis, and uninformed takes of each week's Grand Prix. This week, episode six, I believe it is, the Spanish Grand Prix. With us is our avant-garde artist, Jared Needers. Looks a little Spanish. How are you doing this week? Muy bien, muy bien. And also with us, Gustav Ulström, not in Spain, but on the continent. Our European correspondent, Gustav, how's it going? Wish I was in Spain, but doing well, enjoying some biking over here, and looking forward to, yeah, the races to come in Europe. Excellent, excellent. And I'm your host and moderator, Eric Griffin. I have nothing quippy to say about myself, but happy to be here. Speaking of biking um, and sustainable uh, transportation, this week's sponsor is Effortless Electric. Now, do you have an electric vehicle? Well, if you do, you need to be able to charge it, right? Well, Effortless Electric is here to help you with all of your home charging needs. Effortless Electric provides a full-service turnkey installation package that includes the charging hardware, the installation, all your permits, and information about federal and local tax credits that you might be eligible for. Effortless Electric is here to make that transition to EVs, simple and easy. Contact them today for a free quote. Go to effortlesselectric.com. Is that right, Gustav? I hope that's the right URL. I didn't look it up. That's but correct. Google yeah. that stuff. All right. Excellent. 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 Effortless Electric, thank you for sponsoring this week's episode. So, guys, uh, you, you mentioned Monaco. That's next week, this week's Spanish Grand Prix. But here's my question to kick things off. What is your current favorite livery? Am I saying that right? I never know if I'm saying that right. Livery. I think that's right. And for me, I'd have to say Ferrari. I think they really nailed it this year. I think it's one of the most beautiful cars uh, that I've seen since I started watching. And it's exciting to see, too, that as, you know, if you're following some of the cars, their livery has been changing race by race as they've been removing paint. Uh, and Ferrari seems to be sticking you know, mostly red, which I really like. You, Ferrari never looks bad, pretty much. Uh, there's been a couple of times where people complain about, like, how matte the red was one year and whatever, but you're right. Fer Ferrari almost always looks good. Uh, for me, I'm a fan of McLaren. I do like the look of the car this year. One of the reasons I brought this whole question up was last year. I mean, my all-time favorite ever was last year's Monaco. They had the one-off Golf kind of the retro look from the uh, the golf oil days which is that light blue and orange uh color scheme i thought that was the coolest color or cool you know coolest ever on an f1 car but, but to this day i still like Mc mclaren's jared how about you yeah no i agree with gustav for the most part just because the i really like the like richness of that red and it's it's like a balance. It's almost like a satiny finish, you know, it's not super glossy, but it's not matte. It just looks perfect. It looks good. The car looks good, you know, uh, and this is a whole people go off on tangents about ugly cars and beautiful shapes and all that. But the, the Ferrari combo, both the car and the color definitely looks great. Yeah, yep. Easy. Yep. I feel like I should quickly shout out Aston Martin because I might give them some, uh, some complaints later, but I think their livery this year is much improved from last year, actually. And when they first, uh, you know, showed off the liveries at the beginning of the season, I was pleasantly surprised and thought that one was another really good one. All right. All right. Moving on. Spanish Grand Prix. Quick recap of qualifying. P1 was Charles Leclerc. Uh, P2 was Verstappen. And P3 was Carlos Sainz. Uh, P4, just throwing it out there, George Russell, right? Personally, 
qualifying may have been one of the more exciting qualifying sessions this year. There was a lot going on. I mean, Leclerc's lap, he, he botched in, Q, in, in the third segment of qualifying. He botched one lap, and so he had to nail down the perfect lap. He had one opportunity. Brings me back to the days before your guys' time, but when they used to do qualifying, um, basically a one-shot, you know, balls-out lap, um, not this Q1, Q2, Q3 thing where people would just go on the edge, right? And and that's kind of what Charles did, and he nailed it. So he got the pole position. That was pretty exciting. And just overall, I thought qualifying was actually really, really entertaining. Race recap. We have P1, Max Verstappen, P2, Perez, and, and P3, George Russell. And with that, Max Verstappen takes the lead overall in the driver's standing. So now the, the, the two front runners there, uh, Verstappen, 110 points, Leclerc 104. And of course, the big note, which we'll get into later, Leclerc had a DNF, so really dropped down in the in in the points there. Um, and to, for, for 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 Verstappen to overtake him in the points. So main takeaways from the race. Jared, thoughts? You know, the the point standing super close now, which is great. You know, it's you know, it's not like, you know, certainly not a runaway. It's just not even a full race between them, which I think is, is exciting. So that would be, I guess, my main takeaway. Gustav, your, your thoughts on the Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, of course, I agree with Jared hundred percent there. I think it'll be exciting going forward and hopefully they can, you know, trade back and forth a little bit uh, and not just be a, you know, Max yeah. runs away with it scenario from now on, but I'd also say it was really exciting to see Mercedes seem to make a big step in the right yeah. direction. I think they're still a little ways behind there. Um, you know, clearly in the end, they weren't able to challenge Red Bull for the win. Uh, although there was uh, some really exciting racing uh, kind of more in the middle section between George Russell and Max. But I think it's just great to see that they're back up there. And hopefully as the season progresses, maybe they can you know be a little bit of a third player in that fight for the lead and maybe influence the championship fight. You know, if they can get in between, you know, Charles and Max or something at some point um, that can definitely uh, skew the points uh, towards one or the other. So that was great to see. Yeah. For me, agree with your guys' uh, observations there. Ultimately, I just thought this was really an exciting eventful race. Um, you know, I, I pretty much glued to, you know, as I think we've talked about in the past, a lot of times I'm watching it on delay. I have the ability to, to skip through some parts. I didn't do much skipping on this one. It was, it was very interesting. The, the, for me, I had to actually rewound it a couple times. I did not fully understand, and I, I, this is often the case, the, the strategy the, that was in play and, and seeing it execute, you know, um, when basically I'm like, how did Verstappen make this pass? Obviously it, it was a bit of strategy in terms of the pit stops and the, and, know the use of the tires and that sort of thing it was pretty masterful on top of the racing of course but um you know overall it was, it was very very exciting so let's get into our rapid fire rounds the always exciting who met who exceeded who came up short let's start off with who met uh who met expectations this week jared for you Whew. um i'm less prepared for that question than i thought it would be um i think uh Carlos Sainz kind of met expectations. Verstappen met expectations. So the the you know Verstappen's we expect him to win, and he's racing great. Um, Carlos Sainz, I 
think I had higher expectations for him at the beginning of the season. And now he's sort of just like slotted into this like upper end of the midfield. And that's what I expect him to do. And that's what he did. Well, I've got the same one Verstappen, um, which as we often talk about uh, when, when you expect someone to be excellent and they just are maintaining that excellence, it's, it's a bit underwhelming, but, but it is what it is. How about you, Gustav? Yeah, I agree with you guys, but I'd also throw in there Charles Leclerc. He was driving perfectly until he, you know, had that mechanical DNF where I think his engine, you know, had some issue and they had to retire the car. But I think he, you know, just before that problem came up, he had a 30 second gap, um, which I mean was helped by some mistakes. You know, Max had a slight off where he lost some, some ground, but he seemed to be driving a pretty flawless race, which, you know, with one exception, maybe the season uh, seems like Charles has been getting the most out of the car every time he can. And then I'd also just briefly mention Aston Martin. Uh, this is my little uh, scoffing at them. They brought in, uh, you know, an upgrade that made them, uh, I think it was called the the green Red Bull this time. Uh, the team in a previous iteration had the pink Mercedes. Um, and yeah, basically, if you look at the, the body shape closely, it looks very similar to the Red Bull in certain aspects. Uh, but they, being Aston Martin, you know, did not move up. In fact, it seemed like they maybe took a step backwards with their new upgrade. So uh, they're still, you know, tw- towards the back, maybe even the back of the midfield some of the time. Um, so that's kind of where I'm expecting to see them going forward still. And, and for the record, apparently they've shown that that car, that floor shape and everything was in the, the wind tunnel a long time ago. So it was not copied. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've been cleared of any wrongdoing. Um, in terms of who exceeded, I'm going to put Hamilton, uh, Lewis Hamilton on there. The reason being, of course, just because I think he had the drive of the day, you know, had that coming together uh, in the opening part of the race there, that immediate, I mean, the opening lap, the opening corner almost, right, Um, that immediately put him on a back foot. And I think at one point I saw an infographic or something like that. I mean, he was like a minute and a half behind the leader, I think um, almost a full lap. Um, I could be wrong, but I think it was pretty close to that, but for him to drive through the field and then end up, um, placing as he did, uh, which was, gosh, I don't have in front of me, fifth, six, I can't remember now, uh, fifth. I yeah. He wasn't fourth before he had that yep. problem at the end where he had to let, uh, he had to coast and that led Carlos by for, yep. so he ended up fifth. Yep. Ended up fifth, uh, hell of a drive. So, and, and, you know, you look at his performance in the past few weeks, it's like what's going on, but it seemed like maybe he got a fire in the belly on top of, as one of you mentioned earlier, the car seems to be doing better. So that's, that's my pick for who exceeded. And I think, yeah, I think, I think a, accompanying that Eric, you know, it's not just the car performing better, but he seems to be a little bit more confident in the car. And that, I think that's changing the way he approaches the race, you know, like you could, you could see it, you know, he didn't like the car before and it was racing like it. And now yeah. these changes this weekend has really, uh, you know, brought the best out of him. I think. I just add to, I thought it was really exciting to see that he did in the end pass, uh, Carlos signs and they were on, you know, it wasn't like a huge tire Delta. I think Carlos's lap tires were only four laps older or something. And Lewis made up a big gap. I think it was like, you know, eight seconds or something like that to close in on him and then breezed right past him. So that would suggest that the Mercedes has a real chance of, you know, actively battling at least the Ferraris. Um, so hopefully they can get close to the front there uh, for the rest of the season. Definitely increase my optimism of seeing uh, Hamilton win this season. Well, okay. I think both of you have just commented on my pick. Yeah. 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 Now who, who right. did you pick? I did. Okay. For exceeding expectations, the weather. So 
super hot temperatures played a huge role and wind played a huge role in the race. So, um, I think the, you know, we see temperatures impact the race a little bit, but not necessarily in combination, such high temperatures and big wind, um, impacting how guys are racing the cars and it affected significantly, um, some of the best drivers out there. Yeah. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Sergio Perez, Checo. Uh, I think it was interesting to see early on in the race, Max had this DRS problem and was stuck behind George Russell and Checo came in and basically asked them, Hey, you know, like, let me come by. My DRS is working fine and I'm on new tires and I'm ready to go. And I'll go right around both of them. No problem. And Red Bull, I think weren't expecting Checo to be as strong as he was there. And they kind of basically told him to wait and he had to wait a few laps before they pitted max. And then he was able to go around. So I think it was kind of interesting to see Red Bull maybe hasn't you know had that conversation yet where they've pretty much told him you have to slot into position two and we're going to, you know, make max always go around you. You're always gonna have to let him by no matter what, but uh, he drove great. And, you know, I was a little disappointed to see uh, with the, the different strategies they ended up on. Um, and I think clearly Red Bull favors max. So they probably knew what they were doing with that. Uh, he ended up not really being able to challenge for the win. Well, and I, I think the defending drivers world champion is probably going to get that preference, right? You know, uh, just as a default, but uh, it will be something to watch for throughout the rest of the season, right? We've seen if it, if there's reliability issues with the Red Bull and Max, I mean, he either wins or, or DNFs, right? Basically, and, and, you know, a couple of DNFs and, and some consistency with the second car, the points could change, you know, what will Red Bull do, right? All right, well, um, now what? Who came up short? The always favorite uh, uh, loser of the race in, in some ways, right? Uh, who came up short for me? Well, I had to go with Charles Leclerc. It wasn't his fault, of course, but uh, wow, you know, as Gustav mentioned, I mean, just driving extremely well, pole position, great pole, car was fine, and then, and then it wasn't, and, and that's a really tough DNF. Yeah, I was I was going to say virtually the same thing, except the the car came up short, you know, like really bummed me out. You know, we don't I don't think we've seen reliability issues in the Ferrari yet really this season. So it was a huge surprise. And it's one thing for someone to, you know, fall out of what eighth place or, you know, 11th place because they have a car issue. But to be way off the front and have to retire, it's really sucks. Yeah, I was going to say both of those, but I'll also go with Haas. Um, both of the cars yeah. were in Q3. As we've seen earlier this season, they've been able to consistently, well, at least Kevin Magnussen's been able to consistently score points. Uh, I think in the majority, or at least like roughly 50% of the races we've seen so far. Um, so for them to both be up there, I was hoping that they could maybe, you know, get a double points finish and Mick could maybe take his first points in F1. But yeah, obviously we had that first lap contact between uh, Kevin Magnussen and Hamilton, which, you know, messed up both their races. Although I guess Kevin Magnuson's more than Hamilton in the end. Uh, and then, um, Mick just, yeah, kind of ended up just outside there, I think in like 12th or something in the end. So again, you know, kind of close, but not quite as, uh, as far as he needs to get for those points. So they hopefully can keep fighting back here, but their early season lead is yeah, not as strong anymore, I guess, in terms of the midfield fight. Good pick. Good pick indeed. All right, finally, last rapid-fire question. Favorite moment of the race? Mine was easily the battle between 
George Russell and Max Verstappen. Well, you know, let me go ahead and cross mine off because that's what mine was as well. Yeah, that I mean, it was very, just very exciting. Yep. <laughs> really good. And, and you know, props to George Russell. I mean, he's racing the hell out of that car and you know, doing the absolute most with it. It makes me wonder what he'd be like in a Red Bull. Yeah, for sure. Thing. Maybe maybe this week that's the only favorite moment we have because I think that really was the the standout moment. You know, there was definitely some other exciting things with Hamilton and stuff, but I think it was just incredible the battle back and forth. And yeah, he was hampered by the DRS, but even when he did come by that one time, you know, he fought back and came back through and held him up again for multiple laps after that. So yep. Well, I think that's a first for us in terms of um, a unanimous choice there. Uh, so that that's kind of a kind of a neat thing. One of the the funny things I read some places, you know, Russell had some good experience uh, over in the past seasons getting blue flags, you know, waved at him. And, and so now uh, he's used to having guys behind him, but not defending. And, and so it was, it was nice to see, wow, he's got some skill, right? Like on top of a, a good car, he, uh, he knows how to drive. So, I mean, I would go far as to say that he's been I don't know. I want, it may be a cliche, but the revelation of the season so far, I, I don't know if anyone would have expected or predicted him to be, I, first of all, what he's, he's finished in the top five, every race, I believe. Yeah. And you know, he's beating his teammate uh, consistently and his teammate is Lewis Hamilton. I also think it's worth pointing out like previously, you know, he's been called Mr. Saturday for being a really good qualifier but not necessarily, you know, showing the same strength in the races, which granted he was in obviously one of the worst cars on the grid, if not the worst some seasons. So it's interesting to see this year that he's had a few qualifyings where he's been, you know, not as good as, you know, he maybe could have been in that car, but still been able to fight back in the race. So clearly he doesn't just have the qualifying skill. He's also got that race craft to, to, you know, make overtakes up there and defend like we saw him do today. So yeah, really exciting to see where he can go, especially with the improvements in the car going forward. I'm just looking. I actually did have a backup for this one uh, in my notes here. And that was our, our favorite, Botas, you know, getting his third top sixth of the season. Again, I think he's he's showing um, he's come out of the shadow of Mercedes and, and Lewis Hamilton a bit, and he's driving the hell out of that that car that he has and, and really, you know, in the points uh, in terms of the upper part of the, the mid-pack after the top-tier teams. And it's really fun to see him well like that i did enjoy his radio message when hamilton passed him at the end and he was clearly frustrated and you know basically told them that they did the wrong tire strategy because he's clearly got the competitive spirit and doesn't like to see his old team uh you know going by him when he's got this great car this year so those are that's the rapid fire round any other you know highlights or thoughts you know let's dig into the race a little bit Uh, again there's a lot going on in the midfield um it's fun to see. I mean, I think I saw there were 60 overtakes in total in this race, which is, which is pretty, you know, pretty impressive. Obviously you don't see a lot of those on on the coverage, which by the way, I I should throw that out there. Now I ragged on the production team in the past. I, I, something happened. I felt like the, the directing of the video, you know, the TV coverage this week was much better. I didn't see cutaways to like, stupid crowd shots during exciting moments. It seemed like people were on top of the game there. So kudos to uh, Liberty Media or whoever runs the uh, the production of the, the video feed. I thought it was really good. 
I got a message in the email that they were actually listening to the podcast and heard you and <laughs> I was say the same. responded in kind. Yeah, I saw that email and, you know, it's great that we have so many listeners in the F1, you know, bubble over there uh, and that they're appreciating the feedback we're providing. Excellent. <laughs> um, I, I would say a few, a few extra takeaways that I would include Latifi crushing it in 16th. Good job to him. Finishing the race, not last. Impressive. Met expectations? Oh, I guess exceeded because he finished. Exceeded, yeah. I was, you know, bummed to see, you know, Albon, Gasly, Ricardo, not like, you know, fighting for top 10 spots. That kind of, you know, I like those guys. I like those drivers. They, they seem like they have potential to be great racers. And then to have them sort of wallow in mediocrity at, at this race was a bummer. Yeah, Ricardo, one of my favorites. Great guy. What is going on right yeah. now? Not sure. You know, Lando consistently Norris, getting beat by his teammate. You know, right? And and Lando apparently had tonsillitis this weekend, so like physically was not well, and, yeah. and still was able to drive fairly well. Who is the? Just one quick question. Who's like the coolest driver that you would want to hang out with? That's a good question. That would be fun. Well, Botas would be fun. I yeah. think, uh, you know, go for a bike ride and drink some beers because apparently, apparently that's all he does in between races, uh, which, <laughs> which seems pretty fun. He's got you know, his gin I, company now as well. I did not know that he has a gin company, huh? Yeah, I think him and Tiffany Cromwell together started it, and I believe it's called Oath Gin, uh, not sponsored. I don't like gin, but I have to look into that. You know, Dan, Danny Ricardo seems like he would be just yeah. a really fun, fun guy. I think sure. that would probably be my top pick. Lando Norris, I like, you know, I watched his Twitch streams during the pandemic when he was on Twitch racing and, and all that kind of stuff. But oh, that's cool. uh, um, yeah, I, I, Ricardo seems like probably the coolest guy to just hang out with. He just, his personality is just so big. I wonder what he would, you know, he'd be fun to interact with a little bit, you know, but in the <laughs> end, he's just like, he's so much, you know. So a little like you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm bet best in yeah. small doses. Well, well, here's the thing too. You know, R Ricardo's getting, I don't think there's a an F1 driver that gets as much American media attention as he does. Yeah. He's a dark, yeah. I mean, he lives in LA, which is part of the reason. He, he does talk shows and that sort of thing. Yeah. And he's just, you know, gregarious and he's entertaining. Yeah. I, you know, I think he's running into the end of his contract. It might even be this year is a contract year essentially for him. So there's talk of like what's going to happen with him, and one of the things people are floating out there is he could make a transition over to IndyCar and become a big time yeah. personality, you know, in that sport. Um, he's uh, got years left of racing, and and you know, unless something really changes, it may not be in Formula One, and so I he can't might imagine fit that American market. I know, but I can't imagine somebody like Schumacher or Latifi getting getting a ride over him. Or even Sue or um, Sonoda. Right, but, but would, would Ricardo want to go drive one of those cars or would he rather yeah, go be in I a wonder. competitive IndyCar and, and, you know, have some fun? It's hard to say. Roman, Ro Roman Grosjean, yeah. uh, I'm pronouncing it terribly right, but he, he made the transition and has done extremely well with IndyCar. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so final uh, thoughts on the Spanish Grand Prix uh, race rating. Out of five bowls of paella, uh, what would you give uh, the Spanish Grand Prix this year? Uh, I'll go four bowls of paella. Uh, I thought 
you know, Spanish Grand Prix has historically, I feel like, been known as potentially being one of the more boring races, but there was a ton of action throughout it, uh, you know, and when it seemed like it was lulling a little bit when Max and Checo kind of made it past George and, you know, we're at 10 second gaps. Then we cut to the Lewis suddenly having, you know, this incredible uh, string of overtakes towards the end moving up there. So there wasn't really a dull moment from my point of view. And yeah, really enjoyed the race overall. Best race of the season so far, heads and shoulders. Um, but I want to leave like a little bit of headroom for a better race next season. So right. I'm going to say four bowls. Well, unanimous again, because I also had four bowls of paella with, with lots of shrimp in there. Uh, <laughs> you know, five, you got to hit some, that has to be some sort of crazy epic race. We want to keep those five, uh, five bowls, five star, five whatevers for those sorts of races. But it really was the best race of the season. I think very entertaining uh, all around, top to bottom, production, everything. The, the one thing I would, you know, what I look at for like a five paella, five bowls of paella race would be if the last race of the season comes down to deciding the um, champion, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, we, we have to have headroom for that. So, yep, exactly. And then, you know, like a race director makes an arbitrary decision that, you know, swings the championship one way or the other, something yep. like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Great one. Well, predictions for next week. So, uh, one week turnaround, uh, this, this Memorial day weekend in the U S, uh, also known as the Indy 500 weekend that of course, this is not an Indian, uh, Indy car podcast, but a uh, shout out to, to the Indy 500. One of my favorite races I watched qualifying and it was very exciting. Um, there's a lot of stories going on. We could do a whole podcast about that, but watching these cars, they were super fast this year. Uh, there was a qualifying record set. I mean, these guys do four laps of a 2.5-mile track, and they're averaging about 234 miles per hour. It's it's bananas. Um, so looking forward to that race as well. It's my favorite race weekend because you have Indy and you have Monaco. The Monaco yeah. Grand Prix, the crown jewel of the Formula One calendar, not necessarily known as the best race of racing, but the spectacle of it. Qualifying, so important. You know, essentially, if you get on pole – you have uh, a very statistically high shot of winning the race. If you are not on pole, you have a statistically terrible chance of winning the race. So what are your predictions uh, for the Monaco Grand Prix? Jared? I'm really interested to see oh, what happens with the, uh, yeah, the battle between uh, Ferrari and Red Bull. Uh, you know, Charles Leclerc has this history of uh, never finishing his home race, and he reinforced that a couple weeks ago in the, Monaco Grand Prix historic race where they have, you know, cars from previous iterate or eras of F1, you know, the eighties, et cetera. And yeah, he crashed Nicky Lauda's uh, Ferrari from, yeah, around that time period. So once again, he didn't finish his home race and not even in the actual, you know, actual F1 race. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see, maybe he's used up his bad luck and we'll have a clear shot this year, but that is Ferrari actually my, also- my prediction. Um, I, I think, I think he did it. I think he got the bad, mojo out of the way there and i and i predict uh uh charles leclerc pole and victory yeah i i'm i'm hoping for for the same i just i feel like this could be sort of like a make or break like he has a great rate he, he could have gotten all the bad luck out of system crashed you know a classic amazing car and then if he comes out and does well this week it's broken however if he doesn't do well I mean, he'll probably never win Monaco. You know, it'll just be an albatross. 
So yeah. I'm hoping to see that. Although it would be amazing to see a good ride out of a Mercedes, you know, have them make like that next jump. But yeah, that was what I was also going to say because at the beginning of the season, a lot was made of Mercedes strength in low speed corners. Yep. Uh, and so I actually didn't pay attention to, you know, how they did in the different speed corners at this, uh, this past race in Spain. But if that still holds true, obviously Monaco is a much slower average speed, a lot of low speed corners. And maybe now that they've solved some of their, you know, big issues with the, the bouncing, the porpoising, uh, maybe they could have a really strong showing there. So that'll be another thing to watch for. I think qualifying is going to be really, really exciting. Uh, should be the most entertaining we've had so far this season. All right, final thoughts, either of the Spanish Grand Prix or, or the, the rest of the season. Any, any final thoughts? No, just great race, and I hope we get many more like it coming up. Yeah, I, just, I, I definitely hope this sets the tone for future races. Sounds good. Well, that was this week's episode of Formula What? Spanish Grand Prix recap. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and stay tuned for just one week when we get back to the next scheduled program of the Monaco Grand Prix. We'll see you then. Thanks, everybody.